Good evening, I'm Satomi Kurosu. Thank you for the great invitation and the great introduction. I suppose that was the most formal part of this whole uh, speech of the evening. I would rather like to do some interactively and also do uh, with the PowerPoint um, uh, the, uh, the topic on the Tokugawa mating game and I am sure since the materials that I'm using is something that you not, not many of you are familiar with, um, I like to go step by step and if you have any questions in between, you don't have to wait till the end of the talk, just raise your hand or yell and I'll just stop and start to explain there. And uh, I do understand that the audience is a great mix of uh, people in terms of nationality, in terms of field, and uh, so I feel very comfortable that I'm a sociologist but using historical uh, population data. I'm not a historian, but I do see some historians here, so if I'm in trouble, you could help me jump in anytime, please. And um, I was worried when I got invited here that my topic on historical demography is far from what you are doing here on the contemporary demography. But um, the director nicely filled the gap already, so I'm going to just jump into the topic. Oh, this way, right? Okay. So I'm going to start um, showing this graph, which is you, many of you probably are familiar with. May, maybe many of you are familiar with this part, the Narita Rikon somewhere comes here, and the divorce rate uh, has been rising ever since 1960s, and this has been seen as uh, one concern about family breakdown. And the part we are going to look at today is going backwards. I understand that uh, Harold Hoos, who's sitting back there, has been worked on the 200 years, sorry, 400 years of the uh, history of divorce, and he has covered most of the period. But what I'd like to cover today is going beyond the Tokugawa period, uh, Meiji period, going into the Tokugawa period, which is the time the divorce rate, uh, according to my estimation, goes up somewhere here, which is going over to the contemporary standard and probably as close as the United States standard of divorce rate. So uh, I'm going to go into that society now. And I'd like to start to talk about, before getting into the details with numbers, I'd like to demonstrate with a person's um, uh, life course. I'd like to introduce you my friend Kia, who's born in the year of 1772, died in 1838. Obviously, I don't know her, but I'm showing it to you, to her. Um, she's one of the uh, female who appears in the village in northeast, uh, northeastern areas that I'm working on. And um, since her life course has been so impressive that I just wanted to show you as an illustration of what it was like to live in Tohoku area in this period. Well, in a way, she is a normal, just a female person. Um, she's not like Yoshimune, an elite who's, who's studied by many Japanese or the, in the world, uh, in the contemporary society. We don't know her, nobody knows her. She probably wouldn't have imagined that she, her name appears here in 2006 at this uh, institute. Um, so what was her life like? Well, it's a bit hard to see, but uh, the general idea is that I want, to uh, I want you to see this is the household of Kia. And Kia is right here. And you 
if you think of the life course, you have birth and death, and you have a line, right? That's a life course. And if you put them together, you have life course of many people who are living together in the same household. That's what you see here. So let's see who's here. We start, oops, sorry. <laughs> Can you go back? One, thank you. Um, so uh, there is grandfather, grandma, and father, and mother. And here's our Kia. She's born in 1772. And then her life goes on like this. But let's check here. Her young brother is born when she was eight years old. Well, looks as if that he is going to succeed the household, right? Knowing the Japanese STEM family. However, uh, unluckily, this guy Inokichi, who's born in the year of Bo, um, he died at age eight. And therefore, Kia succeeds the household and continues. And what I would like you to notice are these yellow signs. First of all, at the age of 12, Kia finally marries. Finally? No, already marries. Uh, the person who comes from the same village, his name is Kihei. He is the first husband of Kia. Okay, the marriage, for some reason, I have no idea, unfortunately, lasts only two years. Okay, so Kia got divorced in two years. Uh, at age 14, 15, 16, she's alone. And then at the age of 18, Wow, the second husband comes in. And his name is Kishiro, the second husband, at the age of 24. He also is from the same village. And what's interesting here, look at this. Kiwemon, he is the father of Kishiro, comes together with Kishiro. So actually, not only the, the second husband, but second hu husband's father came in to live with Kia's family. Kia's family, if you look at them, there's grandpa, grandma, and well, mother died, but there are these people, older people here. But husband, husband, father came in too. But you could imagine having uh, his father for three years, probably it was a bit too much for the household or for Kia, we have no idea. But anyway, they decided to get divorced here. So both Kishiro and Kiwemon are sent back to the original household they came from. Okay, so poor Kia, she already got twice divorced. And let's move on. She grown up, she's grown up and she's um, healthy, um, probably pretty lady by now. At age of 29, she marries the third time. His name is Giwemon. And this Giwemon came from the other village, neighboring village. Okay, this is a third husband. However, this marriage, oh, well, this marriage seems to be successful in the sense that Tari, the daughter, was born at the third, fourth year of the marriage. Okay, so you would think the daughter is born, marriage, child is born, the marriage is safe, right? Well, no chance. Again, at the age of 35, this is the fifth, sixth year after the marriage, Giwemon leaves the household, divorce again. This is the third divorce Kia is experiencing. In the meantime, Tari, the daughter, is growing up. That's a good sign, right? And then later on, he, she actually marries to a son-in-law. His name is Heishichi. So at the age of 18, Tari, the daughter of Kia, and the son-in-law marries and continues the household. So the, the STEM family household of Kia's household is maintained. Good, right? And what happened to Kia? Well, her third husband went away. So what did she do? Well, she remains as the mother of Tari. And uh, if you look here, she marries again. Actually, immediately after the third husband left the household. 
Okay, the fourth husband is To Zaemon, and he is already age 43, Kia is age 37, and they got married, and they seem to be finally, I can use finally the word, finally, living together for a long time, and the marriage seems to be quite happy in the sense that the marriage is continuing. Okay, so you would think that's the end of Kia's happy life, right? No. What happens now is that both Kia and Tozaemon, after making sure that this Kia's whole household is succeeded by Tari, the daughter of Kia, and the son-in-law, um, they live together. And where do they go? They are actually going back to Tozaemon, Kia's fourth husband original household. So let's take a look. Here we go. Tozaemon and Kia comes back to his own household, which is now succeeded by his son-in-law, Kiwemon, and Fuyo, his own daughter. And they came back and lived uh, their old life together. Unfortunately, at the time of Tempo famine in 1837-1838, Tozaemon, the loving husband, dies. He passes away, passes away with some sickness or disease uh, in June. And following his death, Kia dies at the, at the age of 65. She dies three months later, like September or something like that. So this is the end of Kia's life. Yes? I assume these are Yes. Do you know their mochidaka? Yes, I'll get into that. Thanks for the question. This is uh, just a normal hyakusho peasant life course I'm showing you. But one thing I should say is that Kia, well, indeed, she has the most marriage records in this house, uh, in this whole village. So she did marry and divorce many, many times. But that doesn't say that other people didn't get uh, married, divorced, remarried like she did. That's what we are getting into. Okay, the study objective. I hope the, the illustration of Kia gave you some hint how diverse and flexible the Tokugawa family was. And uh, what the main idea of this um, study, actually the talk here is a combination of two papers I have presented earlier in um, American Population, uh, Population Association of America um, and uh, Japanese Population Japanese Population Association. So combining two papers I'm presenting, I hope the talk won't get too complicated. Uh, let's see. So the study objective is to look at peasants' life course in 18th and 19th century. And I like to examine the patterns of and factors associated with marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And I am using micro data drawn from local population registers in two farming villages in northeastern Japan. And I am using a statistical method called event history analysis to see how did economic conditions, domestic organization, and individual factors influence the likelihood for an event. Um, why do we study divorce, divorce and remarriage in the past? Well, I would like to see what's behind the early and universal marriage system. Uh, people know by now that Tokugawa marriage has been very early and universal, meaning that everyone got married at certain, by certain age. And however, well, if, for example, even contemporary, contemporary demographers like uh, Professor Ato, he talks about, well, marriage used to be uh, 
marriage used to be early and universal, universal, and it changed to late and universal. But now in contemporary Japan, what's happening is late marriage and no universal marriage or no marriage at all. That's the general argument sociologists, contemporary sociologists and demographers are making. Well, in a way, it's true. But however, what can we say? Anything about early and universal doesn't mean people get married, they stayed married forever, or the early, early and universal didn't mean that people get married and they live happy after forever, right? So I would like to know what was behind this system to maintain this early universal system. This actually is a very under, un, underdeveloped area in historical demography. This is because of the conceptual preoccupation to what's called European patterns of marriage that uh, Hainal is emphasizing in the Western European pattern that marriage has been late and, um, and uh, there were many people who didn't marry. So those are the issues. And people have been preoccupied with the initial set of marriage. However, um, I would like to go beyond that. And also there was a limitation of data and there are some Catholic countries who didn't have any divorce at all. So, in, well, obviously, uh, the study on divorce and remarriage is not as uh, developed as the, the study on the marriage, initial part of marriage. And to consider the consequences of first marriage, I'd like to, in, in order to fully appreciate the institution of marriage and to further understanding of the relationship between rural households and individual demographic behaviors. Households and individuals, that's the key for this work. And diversity and flexibility of family life in the past, I would think, that challenged our view of the as the director mentioned, traditional Japanese family. And in a way, there is a word called low fertility trap. I am thinking that contemporary uh, people and sociologists and many uh, of us are sort of in an ideal family trap that family should be this or that and getting away from that ideal style is no good and therefore type of argument. So in a way, looking into the family of Kia, for example, and others, Kia's friends might allow us to have the chance to see how flexible or diverse that family can be. So that's the study objective. And um, the presentation outline, the presentation has passed already 20 minutes, uh, but uh, the, the rest of the presentation are organized in, as follows. The setting and data sources, and I'd like to talk a little bit about what was marriage like in Tokugawa, Japan. And um, I would like to show you in general, descriptively and using life table analysis uh, from marriage, divorce, and to remarriage. And uh, if I do have time, I'd like to show the conceptual framework to think about what were the determining factors of di on divorce and remarriage. That is to say that, yes, true, marriage happened everywhere. And it's true, many people get, got divorced, and it's true, many people got remarried again, but that doesn't mean it happened randomly, right? So I would like to see some governing rules behind it by uh, using event history analysis. Let's see how much we can get. Um, this is the area I'm looking at, Tohoku region, and Fukushima prefecture is where the, these data are from. This is Koriyama, and I'm looking into Shimomoriya and Nita. The setting, these are two farming villages in Fukushima prefecture, and they were almost totally agricultural. And uh, with the annual average population size of 300 to 450. 
And uh, as you know, Tokugawa Japan was a society with enormous local regional variations in demographic patterns, socioeconomic development, and social customs. This Northwest we are talking about is uh, known as somewhat a backward region and uh, northernmost boundary, so to speak, of rice farming at the time. That tells that the life there was not easy, was quite harsh. Demographic profile, life expectancy at age one to four, about 42 years. It was, yes, early marriage they had. And total fertility rate, observed births was less than three, very small number. Of course, there's some um, missing child, well, the calculation program of infant mortality rate involved, so this is an observed bus. But generally, the number was very small. Yes? Is the 693 a misprint, or is it purposely, um, that's uh, oh. Genroku area? Yeah, sorry. Thank you for bringing up. It's a misprint. Thank you very much. And child-rearing age between 21 to 33. And the average bust interval was five years old. So you can see in general that it was not a fertile at all. And divorce um, uh, death rate was quite high too. And if you can see from this figure, this is a population size of both villages and it was all the way to the temple period a decline. So if you think of the contemporary declining population, this is it. They were already experiencing the declining population, but the recovery later on, but only after 1840. So this tells a general hardship that they faced in these villages. And uh, so that was the setting. And what kind of source, measure, source I'm using, source and measurement? Uh, the, the population register I'm using is called Ninbetsu Aratamecho. It's a compiled uh, register annually with the principle of current domicile. So we know exactly who is where at which time. And uh, these Shimomori and Nita covers the range of 1716 to 1870 with a very few missing years. So this is 154 years of virtually undisrupted records. Very, very good records. M one of the best records we have in the Tokugawa uh, population studies in, in Japan. And events are, recorded, uh, events are recorded when observed. So there is a detailed events uh, notation. And the exit from the register due to unknown reasons are extremely rare. That is to say that people disappear without no reason is very limited. Therefore, virtually, um, practically, most of the people we can see whether they left the village because of the service or because of the divorce or because of whatsoever. Um, well, this does come from the Shumon Aratamecho. Um, Ninbetsu Aratamecho is different from Shumon Aratamecho, which started as a religious investigation, but in the Tohoku area where the population was declining, I think the government back then was very aware of the issue that they had to work on the policy, just like contemporary Japan, they had to work on the policy of maintain, maintaining the fertility and population. And the Ninbetsu Aratamecho probably one of the systems that they, they wanted to develop precisely in order to keep counting of the population. And this is the annual record that we're using. Uh, and that in, um, inside of what you have just seen uh, has a household and it has um, relationship of the, here's a household head and the relationship to the household name, age and annotation. Whenever something happens, uh, it, it's written in red. And here comes the Mochidaka household land holding that information we can use. And from based on these data, 
I will be working on divorce and remarriage. I have been working on it. And uh, in this register, divorce appears as modori or huen, return or no bond. And uh, I was particularly interested in the divorce patterns between Uksori local and Vidi local marriages. Uh, Uksori local is a son-in-law marriage where man comes in to live with the, the wife's parents. And very local is the one, the usual one, yome torikon, where uh, wives go to men's household to live together. But these are two different patterns, right? Because this is the daughter who's succeeding in a way the household, while this one is the yome comes into the house, bride comes into the household. Um, so I'd like to distinguish these two. And uh, first observed marriage is the one that I'm looking at. And females married. And uh, for divorce, I was only looking at, for what I'm showing you here, only females aged 50 and below, excluding obvious cases of second order marriage, just to see um, divorce for the first time and uh, like a Kia's repeater, like Kia might be a little different, so I'm just looking at the first observed marriage. And units of analysis is person years, and I have 1693 observations. I might have mistook the Tokugawa period from this observation too, sorry about it. And the number of the events is 400 for divorce. And for remarriage, um, everything I am showing you here, everything I can do is based on the population register. So when I say remarriage or whenever I say marriage or divorce, that's all from the re register. I'm not doing anything, I'm not inferring anything. But, um, for example, remarriage, if I can see a previous marriage that is recognized, then I can see the second marriage is the second marriage, right? And um, uh, after the marriage dissolution, here's something that we have to think. It's very difficult to deal with divorce. There's a selectivity involved. What happens is that people come in to marry, and then once the divorce happens, then some people go out, go back to their original village, or some people might go to other household to remarry. Well, as long as they are in the village, that's okay. But once they disappear from the village record, I cannot say what happened to them. So as a competing risk, actually, after marriage dissolution, people either remarry or leave marriage or die. There are these competing, risk population, uh, competing risks that we have to take care of. And for remarriage, I, since the number gets smaller and smaller and the statistical uh, investigation difficult, I am putting men and women of all marriages together. And uh, whenever I see men and women whose marriage ended, I start to uh, count what's, uh, what's going on. And I am looking into age below 50. The highest age of remarriage was 74 for men, 74, 70 for women. So, People do remarry, like Kia, um, remarriage was late too. But in this case, um, I am checking only uh, those 90% uh, of the remarriages happen below age 50 anyway. So I think we can see the major pattern by controlling the age. And here are the person years that we are, I'm going to observe. There are 424 records of remarriage for men and 375 record, recorded remarriages for women for the entire period. Now, um, quickly, marriage among peasants in 18th, 19th centuries, as you know, probably I don't have to, to mention this here, but quickly, it was not recognized as a union of two individuals, right? It was not like a European marriage where they marry, they go to church and, 
and get married. Uh, it was not recognized as such. And it, was, it didn't mean a formation of a household either because they remained in the STEM family and they continued the household. So it was not a formation upon marriage. And uh, marriage was flexible, as we've been saying, early and universal. And frequent divorce and remarriage has been known. And uh, uh, there was absolutely no legal or religious restrictions, as I know, but maybe Harold can put, <laughs> fill me in later, to divorce and remarriage in Tokugawa period. And there were great diversity of regional variation. In northeastern Japan, it seems to be very, um, uh, in terms of the divorce and remarriage, the frequency has been much higher than the western side. Necessity of individuals, it was, marriage was necessary for individual survival. I have done a study uh, in the other study of uh, probability of dying, and according to that, marital status, status meant a lot. People, if they were married, they survived better than those who are divorced or widowed. So in that sense too, being married probably was, a sub for, uh, for, was for survival in a way. And it was of course necessary for the household too, because it offered a safer and less expens expensive means to achieve the optimal household size and the gender balance of labor for farming, family farming. So divorce and remarriage, let's go to check patterns. I first of all like to show you the rising age at first marriage. Well, we are talking about contemporary rise of age at marriage in Japan now, but look at this in the Tokugawa period from 1716 to 1869, there is a great diversity too. How you see this is that this is a life table estimate. So you start from one. So this is when they are born, well, four years old. They're not married. So these never married people, when they start to marry, they go down. So as the, as the line goes down, that means they got married. So the quicker the line goes down, the earlier the marriage took place. And so if you see the first line, 1716 to 1740, that's much quicker than say the last period, which is 1841 to 1869, which is amazing. So the diversity, the marriage has been later and slower. And if you look at the mean, uh, the, there's an average difference of about four years old. So uh, as a short remark, the age of marriage seems to be increasing ever since Tokugawa period to contemporary. And uh, what happens after they got married? This is a quick overview of women's first observed marriage. And um, um, out of 100%. These people, six, almost 68, uh, well, almost 70 people, they could not complete the marriage until age 50. What happened to them? They either lost their spouse or died or they got divorced. And what's typical of this area is that rather than losing their sp spouse or own death, divorce was the major reason for the marital dissolution, cause of the end of the marriage. And if you look at what I just said, ukusori local and very local marriage, mukotorikon and yometorikon, the pattern again is that here they are married. The lower the line, the, the line goes down, that means that they got divorced. And here's a clear different, clearly a different pattern. Ukusori local marriage, those mukotori musume, daughters who are getting son -in son, marrying son-in-laws, they are divorcing much quicker than very local yomez brides, which is a quite interesting uh, finding. 
And what happens to men and women, I'd like to show you the marital dissolution, what happens afterwards. I was just showing divorce only, but let's take a look at all these cases for male and female. And here, this is not only the first marriage, but including all marriages I could observe in the village. And uh, mean duration of marriage, uh, these are the ones whose marriage didn't continue until age 50, so obviously the years that they spent together being married is very short, about seven or eight years old, uh, eight, eight years. And um, how about what happens afterwards, after they get either divorced or after they lose their spouse, what happened to them? Well, for both male, male and female, about for male, about 45-46% and female, 34% remarry. And uh, this is another thing that's interesting. The years from marital dissolution to remarriage is very short, no matter which type of marital dis dissolution they experience. Average two to three years. And they get quickly get remarried. Um, here's something that I found quite interesting that remarriage, so here's the part, now this is one is where they, their marriage uh, ended. So this is marital dissolution is year zero and what happens after one year, second year and third year and so on, that's how you see, the line goes down, that means this time people are remarrying. And what's fascinating here is that in the Western theories, remarriage has a very big gender gap that it's always men who remarries, but not women. However, in Japan, it seems to be the same. You had a question. Um, I didn't understand this graph from the numbers you had on the previous slide, which is 45% of the men and 34% of the women who remarry. There you seem to have a gender gap, and here you don't have one. What is, why is that? Okay, um, sorry. Um, the, the previous table was showing the whole cases. And this one, well, hold, oh, thank you. <laughs> the previous one, you're talking about this 30, 45% in this one, right? Okay, so the, here, I am counting all those people who actually got remarried. That's the percentage. So in that sense, uh, whoever I can observe, well, there is a difference between men and women that I can observe. But in the, the next one, uh, well, that too. However, I am looking at uh, this is a life table analysis. So people, for example, who leaves the village or people who dies, they are all counted in, in there until they survive in the village uh, without marrying. So these censored cases are taken out. So this is a more accurate picture of what has gone on. Um, however, I'm going to move on, and which is a very interesting slide I'm going to show you, is there is indeed a clear male and female difference that I found, uh, which was in between uh, divorced ones and widowed ones. And if you look at this uh, male case, male widowed and male widowed and male divorced, which is sort of a grayish line here, are all about the same, right? It doesn't, doesn't look different at all. However, for females, it's the female divorced who are remarrying, but not so much as the female uh, widowed. So this comes into the similar to the Western theory again. So if you look at widowed people, well, there is a gender gap. However, in the Japanese case, because Western cases, most, most of them do not have divorce, this comes into the unique Japanese phenomena that it's the divorced woman who's remarrying quickly. Um, 
I'm going to quickly go through um, to understand what's really going on here, to understand what are the driving forces, driving factors of divorce and remarriage. And I'm coming up with three explanations, probably more, but this is a working, a working progress, and progress and this is tentative. Trial marriage, spouse testing, and economic hardship and STEM family logic. Let me start with the first one. Um, trial marriage, Harold Foos, who's sitting over there, he says finding a comparable spouse was to assure optimal, optimal marital fertility and household survival. He used the word like divorce culture. It was in the culture, so it was okay for people to test and to divorce. And it was a process of spousal selection, it's sort of like a probation period. So if this is true, as um, Harold mentioned in his book, uh, well, how can I test it? So I have thought about it and came up with these. Um, if the trial marriage, the process is going on, probably it shows in the age. Of course, the younger, the more trial that should be, right? So the, if the age is younger, well, as the people get older, divorce, it's a negative effect for divorce. As they get older, of course, it's a negative effect of remarriage too. So that's the age effect. And also, if the trial process is really going on, there should be apparent in the speed of divorce and remarriage. Earlier, the better. And also, there must be a difference in the, the mechanism in the testing phase, I think first few years, versus to what's called stronger marriage. Stronger marriage are those who survive the first three uh, crucial years. So they survive, they, their marriage should be stronger. So once they survive this testing period, the, the reason for, for divorce or remarriage could be very different. So that's the trial marriage uh, hypothesis. And um, economic hardship. Um, this is all based on the small-scale farming, family farming in these villages, with very intensive use of labor. So as I said, belonging to a household was very crucial. And lower economic status, this I'm talking about household economic status, um, means that maybe there was a greater tension um, people coming in, being married, and uh, you know, there's a higher risk that they have to fight for the resources, right? So in that sense, well, of course the story is not that easy, but in that sense we can suspect there's a greater tension, and therefore if the economic status is low, then the divorce, uh, there, there will be more chance of divorce. Um, also, in the lower economic status, there is a theory uh, by Good and some others that uh, they have easier attitude about marriage. And in that, according to that theory, then divorce and remarriage may be more frequent among lower economic status. That's a hypothesis again. And how about higher economic status? Now, it's a bit tricky. Well, higher economic status could mean a protection for widowed and divorced. So even though they are divorced or they got widowed, Maybe they don't have to marry because the household protects you. You don't have to go out and marry, find a partner, seek the partner. But at the same time, if you are in the higher economic status, it means a bargaining power, right? So remarriage might be more possible, easier for higher economic status. So it's a contradicting theory here. And lastly, short-term economic st status, uh, stress. That means a local economic condition might greatly influence. Uh, we, in the other study, we noticed that for divorce, uh, for for births and deaths and everything, short-term economic stress, stress had a great impact. And I understand that if that goes the same way, divorce will be higher upon that hardship. When the time is bad for local areas, divorce 
there will be more um, hardship and therefore more divorce. But if their time is bad, people cannot seek out partners, so less remarriage. That's the same with marriage, by the way. And that I'm looking into local rice price fluctuation and household land holding as an indicator. And the last hypothesis is a STEM family logic. Can you go back? Sorry. STEM family logic. Um, well, um, I, it, STEM family was ideal and most prevalent family system in this uh, period and the region. And that means a child, most commonly an eldest son, uh, brought his spouse into his native household upon marriage and lived with his parents. And when divorce happens, then spouse left. When widowed, spouse left or they could stay. So that's the STEM family, you know, who stays where, who is living with whom. That gets very complex and that gets into the STEM family logic and uh, adoption, marriage, any of the issues that's involved. There seems to be um, people who are very ca care careful about timing of who's coming in and who's leaving the house, those kind of things. And so therefore the, it was a strategy for individual survival and family continuation. And um, in that sense, um, Uksori local strategy and Vili local marriage strategy might be different, so I have to see and check the difference. And household status, of course, once they become, acquire head or head's wife status, that means they have access to resources, they have the priority. So maybe they don't have to divorce or they don't have to um, suffer marital dissolution to begin with. Or even if they are widowed, um, they don't probably have to remarry again because they already attained the status or they already have the successor. And co-residents, uh, whether they are living with parents, siblings, or how many children they have, how many successors they have, these are the issues that get directly into STEM family logic, and this must be, um, has a imp great impact on people's choice on divorce or remarriage. And I think I'm going to quickly tell you what are the variables I'm using, and I'm just going to go through the summary result to save time for um, discussion. Um, I'm using event history analysis. It's a discrete logi uh, a series of log logistic regression analysis that I'm using. And uh, covariates are demographic factors, sex, age, and duration, either years since marriage or marital dissolution, local economic condition measured by Aizu market rice price, and household economic condition measured by Mochidaka land holding, and household context checking parents if they are alive, present, whether they themselves are head or head's wife, or if the siblings are, are, are living them, with them, a presence of children, and I'm controlling time period because of the, um, there is the, as, you, as I have shown you, the age at marriage increased rapidly in the latter part of the period, and also divorce rate declined in the in 19th century, actually remarriage rate declined in 19th century too, so I'm controlling time period and village. And for divorce and remarriage, I'm, I have run sets of analysis for all women and to test the trial marriage hypothesis, marital duration one to three against four plus years. And I also checked Uxori local and Viri local marriage. And for remarriage, I checked for all men and women trying to see the gender difference. And also both men and women widowed versus divorced. And since uh, we have limited time, I'm just going to sh tell you about the remarriage. Men and women, yes, there were big differences, which I will show. But widowed or divorced, it was a bit difficult to show in terms of the mechanism. Uh, of course, there was, um, as I showed you, 
divorced women, uh, divorced men too, they married quicker than widowed people, remarried quicker than widowed people. But in terms of mechanism, I'm still trying to figure out what's really going on. So it's more complex than divorce. So I think I'm going to spend the last five minutes or so just showing quickly what I have found in divorce. Um, I'm going to just show you, I'm not going to bore you with numbers, okay? I'm just going to show you what I did and then move on. Um, local and household economic condition. For example, I look at local rice price, lo rice price in Aizu, and I look at comparing people who are living with 5 to 12 koku. That's a little below the middle status in, in, this, in these villages. This is very low, that's Mizunomi people, and 12 to 50 is a little upper middle, and then 50 and Mokoku, these are the very rich people, let's say. And the way you see is, is that, well, this one is different, but for example, um, this means that plus means is that 1.536, the, the, when there is an economic hardship, when the Aizu rice price rise, then divorce rate rise too, and it's statistically significant. But I think this is much easier to see. Compared to household land holding, compared to those women, and men, oh sorry, this case, in this case this is women, compared to women who's living in the household of 5 to 12 koku, people who are living, women living in less than 5 koku are twice as likely to get divorced than these reference people. On the contrary, people in the higher status, 12 and above, they are 30% or 40% less likely to get divorced compared to these people. So that shows that economic condition really matters, right? And in a similar manner, I am, sorry. Um, I am looking into uh, this household context and sex composition, but what I really want to show you is um, the next one. Um, just as a general pattern I'm showing, as a summary, you don't really have to see the numbers. I looked at economic hardships theory, land holding, and the red circle means there's a really high effect there. Significant, statistically significant. And then presence of parents I looked at too. Household relationship, husband information, aged marriage, marriage type. And here's the story. I compared those people uh, who is married less than three years and those people stronger marriage who's married more than four years, okay? So if the trial hypothesis is at work, there must be a difference in mechanism. And that's exactly what I, saw, uh, what I found. If you look at four years, or if you look at one to three years, people just got married or only three years, um, it's true, parents' presence in both cases, uh, if there are parents, their divorce is unlikely. Parents seem to protect them. Parents seem to, to support them. You would wonder why. Well, we can discuss about this. And, um, also, uh, age mattered uh, the most for, age mattered a lot for the trial period, let's say. Compared to age 15 to 16, that's the average age of marriage, compared to that particular peak period, the other ages are much less likely to get divorced. So that says that there's something really going on about the speed too. And uh, as I said, compared to Uksoli lo compared to very local marriage, Uksoli local marriage is 2.4 times more likely to get divorced. And what's interesting here is that it's true, Uksoli mar marital marriage, even they survive longer, 
they are more likely to get divorced than very local marriage. However, here, if you look at this, all those economic hardship theory are only effective for, it, it has an effect on four years or more, but not the trial marriage. So all these uh, intricate stories, whether household head or not, or husband, resident, husband is residing at home or not, all these information help to understand the stronger marriage uh, divorce, however, not the trial period. So I think this is to say that trial period, it, what mattered was really the age and the, really the speed. And uh, finally, Uksori local and very local marriage again has a stark difference. And as it is clear from this, very local marriage, Yome Torikon. Well, do you have the image that Yome comes into the household and get ridden of, pushed away, so to speak, when the times is bad? That sounds like what's happening here, that when time is bad, um, they are extremely highly likely to get divorced. I don't know if they are pushed away or if they are running away from household because it's, it's very hard to be there. We don't know, but it's very difficult. And also here, uh, compared to 5 to 12 koku, the Mizunomi people, they are twice as likely to get divorced. So that really shows that uh, it's, it's, and here, it's only, of course, yome torikon. It's only the brides who's either running away or pushed away. Uh, and in the lower status. And also parents doesn't seem to matter in Uxori local marriage. After all, it's her own parents, right? Um, however, if it's not her own parents, uh, it's husband parents, if they are living with the parents, as I said, their marriage is very stable. Again, parents' existence seems to support their, their marriage. And also, maybe it's a sign that uh, family's, uh, STEM family logic is, family, STEM family, stable family is, is maintained well because of the presence of the parents. And there are some other interesting stories, but I'm, oh, okay, just one thing. What really mattered here in a solely local marriage? Well, yes, economic story did matter, but only for the highest group in terms of statistical significance. That is to say, the highest group, people in the highest group, they are 65% less likely to get divorced in the Uxori local marriage. And what the other thing was interesting, but what was interesting here is that when wife was older than husband, they were twice as likely to get divorced than compared to wives whose husband is about the same age or six years or less. So those are the interesting difference in the mechanism I found. Um, so the spousal testing was very important for the particularly for the first three years, I believe. But after the testing phase, economic stress enhanced the risk of divorce. And living in the wealthy household reduced the risk and being head's wife promised a stable marriage. However, infertility, not having child, was not a cause of divorce because I found many cases where marriage in three years, they, you know, as I said, it's a child uh, marriage to the first birth or first birth to the second birth, the, the average interval is five years old. So obviously this testing period occurs be well before that. So people without knowing whether this woman is going to have a child or not, they get divorced. So in that sense, infertility was not a cause of divorce. However, having children strengthened marriage stability for sure. So there was a concern to integrate 
spouse into household, probably more than mere reproduction. It's not just having children that mattered, but whether this spouse is fit to the household or not, I think that mattered a lot for these people. And, um, in that, and also, if you think of um, the adoption and son-in-law cases, uh, even though they didn't have children, they had many other options that they could adopt in order to continue the family. And therefore, probably children's effect was not as clear as I expected. And um, divorce was for family stab stability is the thing that I could say from this thing. Um, I did prepare a summary for remarriage, but I'm going to skip that and conclude with, well, not, it's not a conclusion, but a tentative, tentative a final remark to say that the marriage system in this region had important implications for and impacts on family organization and demographic patterns, as I've shown you. And marriage dissolution did not mean a family breakdown. Divorce and remarriage were useful for recomposing family members and to assure household and individual survivals. And from that, I would like to say this was the Tokugawa mating game. It was the game for survival, the survival of the individuals and the survival of the household. Thank you very much.